Philippians chapter 1. And starting in verse uh, 9. And this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that you may approve things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense to the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. But I would that you should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preach Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. What then, notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and I therein do rejoice, and yea, and will rejoice. And I know, For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and, to, and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. And so uh, we're going to pick up on page four, and we are on item number three, which is deliverance. That's verses 19 through 20, by Christ via the prayers of the saints. So we'll just read that again, verse 19. It says, For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. And I thank God for part of what's being taught here is Paul's acceptance that his circumstances were according to the will of God for God's glory. And I think that that's something a lot of us fail, like like right now, a lot of us have a lot of frustrations, a lot of, um, you know, uh, we're upset. I, I'm upset that <laughs> that this country has changed so much that, you know, and it really just, it really seemed like it was overnight, whereas we had, you know, a president and, you know, a situation where, Things were being done for, I don't know, I need to just get off politics, I guess. But anyway, <laughs> it, I, I feel like overnight it seems like all of these things are pushing forward in the wrong direction. You know, all these unconstitutional, and, and, and let's face it, there's, there's plenty of people in this country that are not concerned about the individual rights, they're not concerned about the Constitution, they're not concerned about what's fair or for the welfare of the people. These are people that are grabbing power and they're grabbing control. And their, their desire and their expectation is to take control of our lives. And I, I, I told, you know, my, my own family that, uh, I don't, I, I, listen, I do not think that this vaccine is something as sinister as the mark of the beast. However, I do see a pattern that's building here where they, they are, they are my, my perception, I could be wrong. I'm, I'm not a prophet. I'm not a genius. I'll, but it seems like they are paving the way for the things that we see take place in the Bible. And so I d these things sit ill with me. And so we haven't decided that we're going to or not going to. We're going to do everything in our power to, to try to get out of it. <laughs> and not, not, not to mention, we heard that, that we were going to get told uh, by email that we had the contractors where I work. We're going to have until December 8th to get the vaccine. And we still haven't gotten that email. So we're just praying that God <laughs> stop the whole thing. <laughs> Whatever happens, happens. But that's what we're praying <laughs> And so uh, anyway, my point is, is that w that Paul recognized that he was as he was in a dungeon or as he was being persecuted for Christ, he recognized that God is at work in our lives and the things happen, whether for ill or for good, can 
they should be accepted as God has a way and a plan for my life. And not to, I, I think the natural response for humans, I, I, I can only look at my own life and see this, is to bemoan the things that happen to us that aren't good. And yet, as a Christian, we need to look at this and say, okay, God has a plan. There's, a, there's something that he is doing that I can't see. That's always the case. God is always doing things that you and I cannot see. And so we should praise him in advance. That God is working and he is doing things that we cannot see and things will end out for his glory. I, I'm always, I thank God for, I guess, what people think of as simple Sunday school stories like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and David and the giant. I love these things because they are so powerfully illustrating faith. People not seeing according with their eyes, but trusting in God, and then God doing exciting things because of it. And folks, if God could give us the grace to stand by faith no matter what comes our way. So anyway, let's uh, go ahead and get to the Sunday school. <laughs> so deliverance by Christ via the prayers of the saints. Letter A, Paul looked for and expected deliverance through the prayers of the saints. And then letter I there underneath that is we are actively engaged in the moving of God. God commands us to pray on the behalf of others and moves in response to our, not, it should be our, not their prayer. So God moves in response to our prayer. And so I have a few things about that in, in Ezekiel 22.30. If you'd like to turn there with me, I'm going to turn to these rather quickly, but uh, 2230 of Ezekiel. This is a a very extraordinary passage. And and again, I wish we could get further context out of this, but just um, verse. Let's start with verse 29. The people of the land have used oppression, exercised robbery and have vexed the poor and needy. Yea, and they have oppressed the stranger wrong wrongfully. And I sought for a man among them that they should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me uh, for the land that I should not destroy it. But I found none. And of course, that's a that's a a terrible indictment against the people of God. If God says he is looking for someone to stand in the gap between God and the people, that God could be interceded to for the people. And yet there is none. That's a terrible indictment against the people of God, no matter what age it is. Old Testament, New Testament, 2021, that's a terrible indictment for the people of God. It is our place. Listen, the Bible says we are called in Revelation, we're called uh, uh, priests and kings to our God. Listen, (laughs) it's our place to, as priests, intercede to God for our country. And for our countrymen, and specifically for brothers and sisters. But we need to be in that position and doing our job on our knees, praying for our country. Husbands and wives should pray together. Families should pray together. Individuals should pray. Bless you. And listen, God moves. Here's, this is part of the most important part of this, is God moves through the prayers of the saints. And how criminal is it then if saints don't pray? I think that a lot of us can be guilty of praying just quick, quick, almost, in, I don't want to say inconsequent, just like praying over your food. Thank God for this food. But we, listen, there are all kinds of matters, every kind of matter, that we can go to God and pray for brothers and sisters, friends, family, and our country. And what would change if every saint in the nation prayed for this country. (laughs) Listen, folks, I I know we could expect drastic change, drastic moving on God's behalf. Yes, Miss Mary. I'm just thinking that earlier this morning, early, early, I heard the same message from Pastor Tony Evans. Oh, okay. Amen. (laughs) 
You know, I, I praise the Lord every time I see, you know, like I, sometimes, I don't know if you guys ever noticed this, but sometimes Sunday school is part A and morning service is part B, you know. <laughs> praise God for that, you know, and it's just, you know, praise the Lord when God's moving and, and working in the messages. But that's, listen, God very much tells us that, you know, we have no power in ourselves other than to go to the God of the universe, you know, and this is not, I think the world is constantly impressing upon us, this is just fairy tale stuff. You know, it doesn't really mean anything. You know, and that's sort of a satanic message because it means everything. The children of God would pray to the living God for the people. And uh, listen, there's so many people that are in our country that are ready to take advantage and ready to steal and, and to rob and to, to hurt other people. And yet we have a God in heaven who loves. And just like this in the passage, he says, that the uh, verse 29, the people of the land have used oppression and exercised robbery. I don't know if you guys ever feel like, hey, it's never been as bad as it is in America right now. <laughs> and yet you see in the scripture, it was very clearly that bad before. And the people of the land have used oppression and exercised robbery and have vexed the poor and needy. Yea, they have oppressed the stranger wrongfully. And this is record that God notices these things happening in our world. God is very clearly seeing the things that you and I see and far more, obviously. And he is expecting us, his people, to go to him about these things. And our place is to trust in God. And listen, if, if all the things that we fear come to pass anyway, listen, it's not that God wasn't faithful. It's that this is part of the plan. And as you see in the events recorded in the Bible that are leading up to the time of the period of the revelation... The world is going to change. The world is going to continue sliding down this path towards Armageddon. And the events that you see recorded about the tribulation period, seven years of judgment upon the world like the world has never seen before. You know, the, the judgments that God poured out on the, on the kingdom of, uh, or the, the, the land of Egypt, decades and lifetimes later, the Philistines were talking about, <laughs> hey, this is the those mighty gods that did all these mighty works, you know, and then they were afraid. Listen, God is God at all times. We are his people. We are meant to to wor be working in partnership with God because he has said this is the way he wants things to work for us to be God's people, walk with God, do God's will and pray for the people around us. And we should do that. We should pray for the immediate world around us, and we should pray for our, 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 our Fredericksburg and King George and, and th this area, and we should pray for Virginia, and we should pray for America. Mm -hmm. And look for God to answer those prayers and expect him to. So Paul looked for and, and expected deliverance through the, uh, uh, through the prayers of the saints. We are actively engaged in the moving of God. God commands us to pray on the behalf of others and moves in response to our prayer. And so um, then there's this thought of intercession, and I'm going to turn to Numbers 16. This is a pretty extraordinary passage. Numbers 16, verse 41. This is, uh, there's a lot, of, a lot of bad things going on in Israel right now. And they just came out the other side of something terrible that happened with the Israelites. And then, so verse 41, But on the morrow, at all the congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron, saying, Ye have killed the people of the Lord. And this is when, this is the rebellion of Korah, and God opened up the earth, and they went alive down to hell. And so they blamed Moses and Aaron for that. I mean, listen, this, these, these guys, I don't know. <laughs> 
So you have killed the people of the Lord. And it came, and, and by the way, that is always the, the terrible tragedy of any time, any place when people fail to see by faith. Listen, it, God opens up a, a great crevice in the earth and people fall down and go alive down to hell. And you can fail to see that. You can fail to see the hand of God moving in that. And I, I, I always marvel that people cannot see God's hand now and all the things that are happening in our world now. But listen, people, they seem to always default towards not seeing things by faith. And so it, it shouldn't surprise us that our world is like that today as well. And so the, the people, you know, murmur against uh, and their, their default is this way. They, they immediately respond in this way of murmuring against Moses and Aaron and even the Lord. So you have killed the people of the Lord. Verse 42. And it came to pass uh, when the congregation was gathered against Moses and against Aaron, that they looked toward the tabernacle of the congregation and behold, the cloud covered it and the glory of the Lord appeared. And Moses and Aaron came before uh, the tabernacle of the congregation. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Moses uh, spake unto Moses, saying, get you up from among this congregation that I may consume them as in a moment. And they fell upon their faces. And Moses and Aaron said, Moses said unto Aaron, take a censer and put fire thereon from off the altar and put in on incense and go quickly into the congregation and make an atonement for them. For there is wrath gone out from the Lord. The plague is begun. And Aaron uh, took as Moses commanded and ran into the midst of the congregation. And behold, the plague was begun among the people. And he put on incense and made an atonement for the people. And he stood between the dead, the dead and the living. And the plague was stayed. Now they that died in the plague were 14,700 beside them that died about the matter of Korah. And Aaron returned unto Moses, um, uh, and Aaron returned unto Moses unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and the plague was stayed. And so, this passage has always amazed me. And you know, uh, Aaron and, and uh, had some <laughs> ups and downs. I think is about the nicest way you could say it. But here, Moses tells him to now. This Aaron is God's high priest. God chose Aaron. By name, he said, Aaron will be the high priest and his sons would be the priests also. And so Aaron is the designated man by which this is supposed to happen by. Moses says, go take a censer because they are murmured. And this is, again, right after the wake of God judging a terrible thing that happened and the group, people that were involved with it. And it was very obviously of God. And yet the people turned to Moses and said, you killed the people of the Lord. And so uh, this this great judgment, again, God said this is not far, by far not the only time that this happens where God says, get verse 45, get you up from among this people that I may consume them as in a moment. So this immediate judgment was about to fall and destroy them all. And so it is Moses's intercession. He tells Aaron, take take a censer, put fire thereon and incense and go quickly. And so here's the picture. You know, the people of God have started to die in waves. Like the death is rolling across the nation. And here, and, and, and this is what I'm bragging on Aaron here. Thank God for his bravery and his courage and his faith that he does exactly what Moses says. And he takes the fire and the, or the, 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 the what's it called? <laughs> the what, censer, thank you. And he runs towards the people dying. He runs towards this line of people dying. And he stands between the living and the dead. And he makes atonement for them. And God's judgment was stayed. Why? Because intercession was made. And folks, it's the exact same thing that God calls us to do today. Pray, intercede for the people around us. And it matters. It's so important for us to understand, to see the world by faith. 
There is a God in heaven, and He is going to judge. We need to intercede to God for them, not just that their lives be spared, not just that our country not explode in flames like we deserve. Amen? But that God would move in people's lives and get their attention and turn them back to him. That is the best way to stave off judgment on this country. And I I know I'm not the only one that, you know, judgment, you know, upon our nation, certainly it frightens me. I don't want to see our world come crashing down. However, God is God and he must do what is right And he must do what is his plan for the world and for our nation in particular. And so our place is to is to intercede to God for the people around us. And and I I thank God for this imagery of Aaron standing between the living and the dead. You ever think about who we're standing? (laughs) Who are we interceding to God? And it's preventing the judgment of God because of God's God's commandment. I looked for someone to stand in the gap and I found is the answer no one. Or is he finding us? May God help us to be the one that he finds. And I don't know. I, I'm Again, I'm not a prophet or an expert, but is judgment going to fall on our families or our neighbors if we don't intercede for them? I think it's something that we should consider. I think it's something that we should ask God to help us to be the very persons, man and woman, that he wants us to be for the sake of for his glory and for the for the people's needs. And so um, the intercession that's, that's, that's required. And then letter B, we are commanded to pray and expect God to move in our world. So 1 Timothy, and this is a pretty extraordinary passage, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. I, extend the, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. And I, <laughs> a lot of us can say amen right up until we see the kind of people that we're supposed to be praying for in our country, in our world. <laughs> we went, what's that? And giving thanks. Yes, and giving thanks. That's right. Oh, boy, I don't know, Lord. <laughs> Except for that this is exactly that, like Paul says here. And then, by the way, God did not record this for, for Paul to write down not knowing what our world would look like today. He knew exactly what our world would look like. And yet, now I have that highlighted in my Bible, all men. And so um, uh, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our, our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come into the knowledge of the truth. And so I'd love to keep going there as well. But but like he says there. Uh, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. So we are to pray for those who are, I guess that this is the way I see it. I see some of the powers that be as using us. You know, we're nothing but stepping stones to them. That, that's the way I feel about it. <laughs> and yet we are to pray for this. It says specifically for kings and all that are in authority. And then it says for this, that we may lead, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. And so our place is to pray wholeheartedly for the people in in authority, the people in power. And listen, it's not impossible that God could save someone who's in a position of great authority, great power, and change their lives right on the spot, right then and there. God has done it before. He's He's doing it all over the world, and he's responding to people's prayers. So our place is to pray for those in authority. 
Would it be wonderful if Joe Biden got saved? Would it be wonderful if God changed him so thoroughly and so completely that he became the absolute man that they did not want to to uh, to be in our world? Yes, ma'am. Uh, not that I know of. Right. And as far as I know, last time I looked at the news on Fox, she hadn't gotten. I don't. Don't get me started, Miss Mary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Miss Maxine. What's that? Okay, so we are commanded to pray and expect God to move in our world. That's 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4. And, uh, and again, you know, it is difficult to pray for people that you know are, but it's like it says in Matthew 5, pray for those. Let's, let's turn in there. That's, that's, I think, a very helpful thing right now. Matthew 5, and this is the Beatitudes, of course. Oh, yes. Yeah? <laughs> okay, so. Um, and when they persecute you. Joy. Yeah, that's. I'm trying, having trouble finding a verse. Pray for them that despitefully use you. Where is that? Thank you. <laughs> okay, that's it. All right, so let's start in verse 43. Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy, but I say unto you, Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. And so I think that we have this problem, I know I have this problem, of not wanting to pray for people that I feel like are my enemy. They're, they are people, but this, this is... Ex- Addressing that very, very thought. Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. That fits right well with my old man, which hears, hears or sees someone mistreating me and count them mine enemy. But it says, verse 44, But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Because I can't make rain fall from heaven. And I can't make the sun shine. But I can bless Instead of curse. And listen, it is, again, it is our old man that says, you smite me, I smite you. But God says for us to be his children and to live in the spirit, not in the flesh, we need to love our enemies. The Lord Jesus on the cross said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Listen, these people, all of these people, and I can put a face and a name, (laughs) but that's not going to help anybody. To, to, to people who are working directly against me, working against my family. And however, God being God keeps pouring good things. I thank God for that verse in, back in Genesis after, after the flood. And Moah, Noah made a sacrifice, uh, an offering uh, uh, as worship. And the Bible says God smelled a sweet savor. And he said, I will no longer curse the entire planet. I can't remember exactly how it was worded, but I will no longer, oh, uh, I will no longer you know, pour out this judgment on the whole earth in this way again. And it was in response to Noah's worship. And listen, our place is to be like God to the people around us. And God can give us that power to supernaturally love people, despite how they treat us. And listen, as, as brothers and sisters, we are told to practice this in the church, in our families, in our homes, and in our neighborhoods, and beyond. <laughs> 
And, and it's, it's a foreign way of thinking. It's entirely contrary to how our human minds work. And yet the Lord Jesus says, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. And folks, this is us. For the people that are attempting to make our lives uh, conform to the way they want our lives to be. And of course, our response in that is, Lord, that, that's not fair. How dare they do that? They don't have a right to do it. It's unconstitutional and everything else. <laughs> and yet they don't care. They're not, listen, they're not constrained by what God says. They're not constrained by what the Constitution says. And yet still, it will still come down to God's people are to live like this. To love your enemies. Bless them <laughs> and curse not. <laughs> and so, listen, our place is to believe this. God is God. And he has bought me and he's bought you. If you're saved, he has bought us and he has a right to tell us not just how to act, but how to think, how to feel. And listen, God can give us a love and a burden for people who hate us or people who think we're meaningless. But, you know, and and that's that's another wonderful truth. Yes, sir. We're closing up. (laughs) It's another wonderful, wonderful truth. The powers that may be think that we mean nothing. And the truth is, is, okay, if I mean nothing, so do they. <laughs> but the truth is, is we are not meaningless. The Lord Jesus Christ loves me. The king of the universe loves me. So what difference does it make to me whether the Democrats think my life has any meaning? Or Republicans, for that matter. No, power corrupts. And a lot of power corrupts a lot. And so, really, politics... By any, I, I, I don't, I don't name myself a Republican. There are Republicans who aren't worth a, a whit more than the Democrats. <laughs> and I listen. The Democrats have stu- such a stigma to them because of the things that they stand for. Can you be a pro-life Democrat today? Is it possible? I don't think so. <laughs> you think so? Yeah, there's some. They just, they follow their Democrat because their parents were, even though they believe. Okay, I'm talking about politicians. People have been elected to office. Yeah, I, I agree. There can be people who are Democrats who are pro-life. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's that's my point. Is that that being in, being in that position corrupts you? Um, power corrupts. And so, listen. There are people who see us as absolutely meaningless. God will never see us that way. God will always see us see us as people for whom His Son died for and rose again, that He might pay for our salvation. How could we ever be meaningless? And yet so many people out there who see our lives as just a a stepping stone, their lives aren't meaningless either. The Lord Jesus loves them too and would save them if they would turn to him. And so our place is to intercede to God in that way, in that understanding. So uh, I guess we'll go ahead and stop right there. (laughs) Thank you, Lord, for this time we've had. Thank you, Lord, for, for who you are. Lord, you're a very loving and merciful God to us. We thank you that our lives are not meaningless to you. We thank you that you mean that you that you care for us and you and our lives mean so much to you. And we pray that you help us to understand other people that way and see them the way you see them and love them in spite of uh, the, their actions. Help us to, Lord, care for them and, 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 and pray for them and and look for them to uh, to to be humble before you and fall before you. And we pray that many, starting from our president and vice president and Congress and Senate and state and local leaders, we pray that they would all. Lord, fear you and, and, and humble themselves before you 
and fall in the Lord Jesus broken and be saved and be changed for your glory. And and we pray that you would change our, our government the way it's been moving and uh, for a long time now. We pray that you please help us and preserve us. We pray for the future of our country. We pray that our people would fear you and do what's right in your eyes. And we pray for the, the coming hour that you would be glorified. Bless Pastor Ken and help all of us to receive all that you have for us and help us to leave here praising your name. We do thank you and ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Yeah.